welcome to the Quietest Moments podcast. I am your host, Sherry Homiyun Myers, and this is a show that's really dedicated to those on a journey of self-discovery and inner peace. My show is all about the quiet moments in life and what have been some of those quiet moments that people have experienced. What have they taught them? The lessons, the insights. There is so much we can learn in the quiet moments of life if we just listen. So this is going to be the type of show that's going to expand your mind in so many different ways and is really going to help facilitate more of your growth on your own personal self-discovery journey. So I say buckle up hit the follow button and enjoy the ride and welcome to the quietest moments. All right. So on today's episode, I'm so excited because I'm talking to a powerhouse woman. Her name is Nova Lorraine. And what I really loved about my conversation with Nova is, you know, she's done so much in her career, but there's such a story behind a lot of what she's achieved. And on this episode, you really get to learn about that, about her quiet moments, about the lessons, the insights that she's personally had to learn on her own. And now she's doing so much in the world as such a bright light that it always gets me thinking, you know, how did somebody get to where she is today? There's gotta be a story behind the glory. And what I love is, you know, Nova really goes deep about her story. So I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Nova Lorraine. Okay, Nova, I am so excited to have you on the Quietest Moments podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. And to dive right into it, I'd love if you can share a little bit about, you know, your journey to where you are today. Ooh, okay. <laughs> There's a long version of that and a not so long version. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do the not so long version and we could dive deeper if you want. Um, I actually started my career in science and academia. I was, um, I always wanted to be a doctor when I was in high school and college and I uh, enrolled eventually uh, into a clinical psychology program, a PhD program at the University of Connecticut, and with all the intention to become a a doctor of psychology and really change the industry and help others along the way. And during that first semester, actually, um, I just had this compelling feeling and that how I was going to help people was going to be through my love of fashion. Now I'm going to set the tone here because I literally was in the middle of Connecticut, not the most fashionable state. I, my parents immigrated here from Jamaica. I'm one of six. I was the last born in Jamaica. And so grew up in this very large nucleus of a Jamaican family. And again, um, not if if you're if those listeners who are from a Caribbean background will understand this. Um, being Jamaican, we have about five careers that we could select to uh, to pursue, and it's usually you know you could be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, teacher, or nurse, right? And then pick one of those. And so um, fashion or art definitely was not uh, in my my line of vision, but I just couldn't ignore this feeling that I had, and so I I then. Um, chose to finish up my PhD program early and actually leave with my master's and move to New York and enroll at the Fashion Institute of Technology for those fashionistas out there, FIT. 
and get my design degree. And in my last semester before graduation, um, I found out that I was pregnant with my first, and now I have four. And my husband at the time was studying, um, uh, getting his, he was doing his uh, residency in DC. I was in New York. And it was a huge surprise. It was, I was literally just months away from graduation. I was making so much headway in the fashion industry. I had my networking. I had my internships lining up potential jobs. Like my dream of becoming this world famous fashion designer was well on its way. And boom, I find out that I'm pregnant. And it took me a good month or two to, uh, get happy about it because it just was so out of the blue and being, you know, in my mid twenties in New York on this, you know, aggressive fashion path, this was not the plan. But when I did finally (laughs) uh, come to terms with this beautiful bundle of joy that I was carrying, it was the most amazing experience ever. And then I, I joined my husband back in the D.C. metro area, and we were there for another three or so years. And during that time, I went into corporate. I was doing interior design. I was studying entrepreneurship. I was studying marketing. And I also was preparing a business plan to launch my fashion company when the day came when I was going to be back in New York. Cause I just knew deep down that one day, I didn't know how or when that I was going to be back in New York to continue on this dream I had of becoming a fashion designer. And uh, lo and behold, it, in about three years time, my husband was offered a, an intern, a, a fellowship is what it's called a fellowship uh, by Columbia University, which brought us back to New York. And then I launched my fashion company at that time. And also, I had two children. I had my daughter, who was under a year old, and my son, who was uh, two years old. And um, I launched my, my business. And I was very fortunate early on to have been recognized by the industry. I had won a Best Hot Couture of the Year award. I was nominated several times uh, by the Fashion Group International, and uh, my designs ended up in Essence and on The View and in Italian Vogue and in films and other publications. And this was like all grassroots and just me hustling in the pavement with this dream in hand. And as my family grew, um, by the time I was pregnant with my third, I had a showroom on 7th Ave. And uh, about when she was about three or four months old, I decided that I wanted to be closer to home because I was commuting in every day. And I brought her with me to the showroom every day. And and so I uh, closed the showroom and I moved in New York and I moved it to Westchester County where I lived. And then about a year or so later, I opened a store. And around that time between the showroom and the store, I decided I was going to launch a magazine. Now, why I decided to do that? Because now I was pregnant with my fourth, okay? And um, they're all, you know, still little. Maybe my oldest is in, I don't know, first or second grade. And again, it was this overwhelming, uh, you know, vision or just the feeling that I had to do this. And it was really my way of connecting the dots back to that idea that I had in grad school where this rain was going to be my way of bringing my psychology and the fashion and my desire to help people together, my love for writing 
and supporting other artists and other creatives. And so Rain Magazine was born and I launched digitally at the time and I launched a virtual company because I did not want to have any other physical offices, stores, buildings that I had to worry about. And um, here we are 13 years later, Rain has expanded to print. And at uh, one point we decided to do newsstands and we also um, would hold events to celebrate each issue. And my newest venture is uh, the podcasting space. I've brought what I do in the magazine to the world of podcasting. And I have an award nominated show called Unleash Your Supernova and where we look for the gutsiest founders and creators from around the globe and allow them to share their tips and hacks on surviving this crazy journey that we have embarked on called creative entrepreneurship and to help others find and bring out their superpowers, their inner brilliance. And I'm excited to say I'm expanding that into um, one day a network and a community of shows um, of individuals that I call wild thinkers. And that's where I am today. So awesome. So, so awesome to hear about your journey, Nova. And so many questions I have. I think the first big question is now that you have been through so much for pregnancies, built multiple businesses, thinking back to when you started, what is something that you wish you knew back then that you know now? Oh, wow. Um, there's so many phases that well, you know, in the beginning, I put a lot of faith in this paper called a business plan. And, you know, as a student of not only a, a passion student, but as I went through the entrepreneurship course, we were taught that if you have the right plan, if you do your research, if you know your market, if you know your product, and you can fulfill a need, then you'll be able to convince whomever to invest in this idea and plan. And I wish I knew more about the space of angel investing and venture capital investing um, then. And so I, I, I spent about three years cultivating this plan. And here I am, plan in hand. I knew my market. I had my samples. I knew my customer. I knew I fulfilled the need. I knew my numbers. And I would be you know very fortunate enough to get to the decision maker at a venture cap or not a venture capital but let's say a hedge fund for example or an um, an independent investor that had millions to invest or in front of the VP at a local bank so I would be able to use a plan to get me to that point but I didn't understand the story that I needed to pitch in order to get those individuals to say yes because here I was in a time period where fashion was not of the norm as it is now, fashion um, entrepreneurs, there's many more now with apps and, and uh, you know, t-shirt companies and all sorts of things that are more accessible for individuals to start their own fashion company. But at that point in time, uh, you know, being a fashion designer without any connections, without coming from the industry was very challenging and to get money for that. And I had a plan where I was looking for $2 million <laughs> and I launched my company about 10 days before 9-11. And so I was really walking into this very tumultuous time looking for a lot of money for a company in a space that was um, very risky, that most people would see as very risky. And my naivete was I have this great plan and I, and I am doing all the things on the checklist and therefore I should get the money. And so I spent years looking for this money. 
And I got to the point where, and I, and I did get um, smaller bank loans and I did get family and friends investing and I did get smaller angel investors, but that $2 million, I was always so close and couldn't get that. But I did get enough to run my showroom and to create all the, the tools I needed to sell my collection and, and market it to an extent. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to depend on anyone else. I'm not going to wait for anyone to give me the okay by signing this check. I'm going to find another way to achieve my dream. I'm going to take it into my own hands, and I'm no longer going to look for investors. And at that point was when I moved my showroom to New- to Westchester County, New York, and I then expanded into a store and um, did very well You know, when I launched this store. It was an amazing experience um, for the time period that I did it. So amazing. And for you, Nova, in terms of your journey, and I just, I keep imagining you with children doing all of this, like that is just (laughs) such a superpower. And I know there's people listening that are like, I wish I had that strength. Like, how did you do that? Maybe you could speak to, you know, the ways that you stayed mentally strong or even some of those struggles that you personally had to overcome at that time. Well, I would say my first, when I, when I first found out that I was pregnant, it was, uh, knowing that I was, again, when you're in an industry that's very, let's just say fashion can be superficial. It it can be. Um, I loved fashion for all of the things that it does to us from a psychological standpoint and how it impacts us in a positive way. But it really just threw me for a loop because, you know, my schedule is very hectic and, and I had to really cut back um, because I just didn't have the strength when I was pregnant. And I knew it wasn't the norm to walk into stores or boutiques or showrooms and design studios and and see a young mom or, or a baby in tow. And so that was, for me, I just had to really kind of shift my frame of mind and said, well, you know what? I am going to do what I can do now and love that. And I started in the interior design space and I did interiors, which worked really well those few years when I had my first and second child, but my love was always fashion. And so I decided that I was going to build my business around my family and make some sacrifices and create a business model that allowed me to be around my children more. And so I, I created a studio in my home and an office in my home and I brought my staff in my home. I um, asked my mom, she's amazing, and my dad as well, because he allowed her to do this. She literally would stay with me during the week, um, drive from Connecticut to New York, stay with me while I was running around the city and traveling um, to uh, meet with clients. And I would say every step of the way, I had the support. Thank goodness I had the support of my family and or close friends. And so I could not have done it by myself. And so, um, and I am a very private person and it, it took a lot to step away from my children and to do that, I needed to trust wholeheartedly the individuals that were caring for them. And that was close friends or family. So I, I think that support system, regardless of where you get it from, is extremely important and vital um, for those individuals that are starting businesses because it has, the new business is like having a new child. It takes so much of you and your time and your energy and your creative output and to balance that with young children that take the same. And I have older children now and it takes the same. Um, you absolutely need a good support system. Hmm. 
And you mentioned earlier on about your background in psychology and how you relate that to fashion. You know, maybe you can expand on that. I'd love to learn, you know, what, what your vision is and what really is exciting you right now, like what's lighting you up. Yeah. So for me, what fascinated me with psychology and fashion was how much it plays a role in our communication. Our clothing is an invisible form or a silent form, I should say, not invisible, but a silent form of communication. It really expresses how we feel or want to feel. And it tells a story, regardless of what that story is, to the individuals that we're interacting with. And it's such a powerful tool for our sense of self, as well as achieving the goals that we we have in store for us. And and just something very simple. If I'm going to, I used to run track in high school. And if I'm going to run the 200 meter um, dash, I'm not going to be running it in heels and a gown. I mean, just from a functional standpoint. But then if I'm going to run the 200 meter dash, I believe um, Jackie Joyner-Kersey was really famous for her fashionable wear. It made her feel a certain way when she was running that race. It made everyone pay attention to her. It put her on the spotlight. Like she is someone you need to know. And she knew to get this attention that she had to deliver. And I think that a lot of us sort of uh, hide behind our clothes or, not, or take for granted and only focus on the functional aspect of our clothing. clothing. But if we pay attention to what colors do for us and others, what shapes do to us and others, what textures do for us and others, in terms of how we behave when we're interacting with these components, then we could be more intentional about using clothing to make us feel a certain way and then also to communicate something specifically to someone else. So I love that aspect about fashion and how we could really use clothing to empower ourselves and others in so many ways more than what I'm just discussing. In terms of the second part of the question, what's lighting me up now is, and where fashion sort of drove me to, you know, going into media and the area that I focused in on media was creating a platform for creative entrepreneurs, individuals that were using their passions and gifts to really impact a community for the greater good. And these individuals tend to be your early adopters. And what I was always interested in and studying in fashion was this flow from early adoption to the, the lagger is what we call them. Visit the individual that takes the longest to adopt a new trend or style or product. And the early adopter tends to be the best customer for any product or service. But that early adopter is also the big, biggest risk taker. They're not a follower. They're, they're creating the trends. And the, they're the, the innovators. And then those individuals then influence everyone else in our society. Um, I would say the innovators are your two and a half percent. They influence your early adapters, and then it goes on and on. And so with that knowledge, I wanted to focus in on my audience, on the innovators and the early adapters and who I reach, but then who I support in terms of RAIN. And then I've just also carried that over into the podcast space. And I'm so excited to not only bring these talents to the forefront and and allow other people to know that they they are that they exist but to share their incredible gifts and their incredible inspiring stories and tips 
with the world. Mm. And I can just imagine, you know, that compelling feeling that you spoke about earlier and that feeling where you just, you knew you had the idea, you knew you could do it and you did it and being able to bring those people together. And, and like you mentioned, the, um, the early adapters and those folks that are more of the risk takers, they're open, very open-minded. And um, that's just, it excites me to hear about what you're doing. I think um, before I let you go, Nova, one of the big things I'd also love to understand, and also for the listeners that are feeling a bit stuck, they're not seeing progress, they're feeling like, you know, even some of them don't know what they're doing, and they found themselves uh-huh. in, this, in this place, what might you offer them? I would say, because <laughs> someone asked me today, they're like, how do you do what you do? And I said, you know what? one day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time, I would say just be present. And um, there's so much peace in the present moment. I think that we, and I am clearly a victim of this. I, you know, in the past would be so far ahead in terms of next week, next month, next year, three years from now. And especially as a, as a founder, as someone running a business, you're always thinking ahead, right? And you have to sort of stay ahead. And, but it sort of plays a trick on you because that future really hasn't come to pass yet. And if you believe that you're a bystander and observer, as opposed to the one creating that future, then it can create a lot of stress and anxiety. And so, but when you're in the present moment, you are truly at peace when you are taking in and using all of your senses at that moment in time And so my recommendation is to, you know, really ask yourself when you're feeling anxious or stressed or overwhelmed, you know, are you a few steps ahead? You know, are you maybe thinking too far ahead in the future for something that has not come to pass yet? Um, And if so, let's bring it back here and, and reclaim that power and say, well, what can I do right now at this moment? that could bring me a little closer to that goal. And just focusing on that and that task, no matter how small it is, maybe I need a little more rest, let me go take a nap. Maybe I, you know, if I have a book to write, maybe I'll just write three sentences today, right now at this moment. What can I do now that can get me a little closer to that goal as opposed to focusing on the goal and getting overwhelmed by all the things that can go wrong between now and then or all the things that have not been accomplished yet because it's really about the journey that we're on, right? There's always a new goal, always a new task, always something to do, always something to create. And, and the pleasure is in the journey because once we accomplish that, we're like, okay, I want to do that even better. I want to run a little faster. I, okay. I won the state meet. Now I want to win the regional meet. There's always, there's always something new, but if we're always so focused on that goal, then we miss all the amazing things that come with that journey. And the journey is a roller coaster. There's highs and lows. And if you're at a low point, you know you're not at the end. And just hang on just a little longer until you hit that, you know, that upswing again. And you will. And those upswings always make it that much more sweet coming out of those low, those low moments. Mm, I couldn't agree more. And uh, for the listeners here, Nova, how can people find you and reach out to you? Yeah, so I am on LinkedIn. It's one of my favorite platforms, that and Pinterest. <laughs> um, so Nova Lorraine on LinkedIn. And um, on my Instagram, uh, which is my visual palette, it's Nova by the Sea. 
and other social media, it's Nova Lorraine. So Pinterest, Facebook, you can find me there. And through rainmagazine.com, um, feel free to email me at NL for Nova Lorraine, NL at rainmagazine.com. And you could also find our podcast on our podcast page, the Unleash Your Supernova podcast, which is available on all major podcast platforms. Perfect. And any last words that you can offer us before you go? I would say one of the things I'm really into right now is creating my want list, not my bucket list. There was, that was a term that was very, and still is quite popular, but it focuses on, oh, what are all the things that we want to do before we die? And I think that we don't necessarily need to be focused on going out, you know, our, our journey out and what all the things we could f- figure out to do five, five years or five weeks before that moment. I think we should be focus on what is it that we want right now and both big and small and and more importantly, the small things, because the small things add up to the big things and creating that want list, writing those two or three things down, those small things down that are achievable and then building that up to the bigger things because those, those small moments of accomplishment carry us so far and do so much for us and re-energizing us each and every day to keep going on this this crazy journey that we're on so the want list is uh, my current want list is something that i'm really excited about and uh, one of the things i added in to that most recently was dancing more so um, my daughters are home for the time being, and so uh, they are obsessed with TikTok. Well, they like TikTok a lot, let's just say. And so I will be doing some TikTok dance challenges with them <laughs> to do, do my check of the check off my little want list to dance more. So I just I think that's something that we all should um, really do more is you know treat ourselves with those small wants, and um, those rewards go so far. And that is Nova Lorraine. I had such a good time learning from Nova and really just listening to her story. I think there's always so much wisdom that we can actually apply into our own lives, especially for women that want to start their own business, or maybe you have these dreams and you haven't really told anyone about them. Maybe you've shoved them on the shelf and forgotten about them. Well, this is the type of episode that I hope empowers you to pick up those dreams and put them back into your focus because we really can achieve anything we set our minds to. And Nova is an excellent example of that. So if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button because each and every single week, I'm going to be offering you moments of insight and quiet moments from people's lives that have given us so much wisdom to take and apply into our own. So thanks so much, guys, and I'll talk to you again soon.